G'day, I'm James and welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, I chat with friend of the show and Formula One performance coach, Michael Italiano. Well, mate, so great to have you back on the podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's February, which means you have, you've gone to Perth, I assume. You've had lots of food and wine. You've then since worked it off. You're back ready for another year of Formula One. Yeah, thanks, James. Good to, uh, good to chat again. Uh, I can't remember the last time we spoke, but uh, it, it's felt like a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good or a bad thing? Who knows? It doesn't really matter. Uh, well, I can tell you it was the beginning of 2021 when we, oh. when we last spoke, and there was uh, obviously a lot of stuff has happened since then. Um, as I said to you before we started recording, this is a chat about you and your experiences with that. Uh, listeners, if you're expecting something else, plenty of other podcast episodes out there with DR talking about his own stuff. So, Michael, what I'd love to know firstly is about your business because mm-hmm. the last time we spoke, you were really starting to kick into gear. Um, I know that that uh, we've caught up a couple of times texting and then the, the other time that we caught up, you were had filmed something like, how many days straight of all of these exercises? It just was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to launch an app. It's it's absolutely consuming me at the moment. But I, I I do think I'm about a month away. Thank God. It's it's been like maybe one and a half years in the process. And uh, yeah, you, you know, you want to film classes, exercises. So yeah, building a pretty damn strong exercise library for everyone. So that takes time. So yes, last time I think we spoke, we were in London, and I was. I was on a bit of a filming marathon, so my body was broken. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it, it's it's all it's all going well. But uh, it's it's a big thing to to launch something like that, and um, so I want to make sure I get it right. So I mean, the good thing is I'm, I'm in no particular rush, but uh, I am working behind the scenes uh, quite hard to to get it done. So yeah, I'm, I reckon I'm about a month away, which which is mm. exciting, um, and yeah, still. Still training uh, other other motorsport athletes too, which is also keeping me busy. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing more than enough for the time being. <laughs> <laughs> so what can we expect when it comes to the app itself? Uh, I know you've been working exceptionally hard, mm-hmm. and there's a lot out there in the fitness market, isn't there? In terms of especially coming out of New Year's and the the very classic New Year's resolution of either going to the gym or starting an online fitness regime. Why should people come to you? What what makes yours special? I know, but I'd love for you to, to tell our listeners why. Well, if I implement it well, it is <laughs> going to be um, a fantastic fitness app for, for a variety of classes, whether you like yoga, Pilates, strength, CrossFit, HIIT, um, or, or LIT, which is like low-intensity stuff. But I'm also doing all the programming. So, you know, if you do want specific programs that you can follow, um, whether it's one, two, three, six months, um, I'll be doing all that. We also have a physio hub that's going to be on there. So if, uh, if anything's niggling or something like that, you have a, like a physio in your pocket, which is super cool. And I'm really excited about that. And we're also integrating some some pretty cool technology where, you know, you can, you can give yourself a, a body scan if you want and, and check out your, your, your body fat percentage. And I kind of want to, I kind of want to shift it like Whoa. I want to, I guess, synchronize health in, into the fitness aspect where people can actually log in and, and check their, their health parameters. And, you know, I, I do want to partner with some, some, uh, some medical companies where, you know, maybe you can, um, sign up and, and when you're a part of my trainer, you know, you can also get, uh, like a, a membership to, to test yourself, um, on, on like a, on a quarterly basis, whether it's your bloods or just daily health 
um, parameters where you can just check your markers. Um, it's something I do quite a, quite a lot being here in London is every quarter I, I get my bloods done and there's some really cool in, innovative businesses where you, they'll, they'll just send you a little parcel and you, you prick your finger and you, you put some blood in, in, in a test vial and you get results in two days' time. So I'd love to kind of like bring that health aspect into my fitness app where, yeah, okay, people are tracking their activity and whatnot, but you can also track your health in there as well. Mate, that sounds bloody incredible. I mean, what a what a key set of differences to a lot of apps and online training and even in-person training, I suppose, uh, that's already out there. Do, do you reflect on where you were sitting in Perth in that office job to now and and pinch yourself at all? Yeah, I the, the pinch me moments come when I'm actually at the track, yeah. believe, it or, believe it or not, not not <laughs> generally when I'm at home working. Um, usually when I'm at the track, I, I do think about, yeah, my, my life in Perth. And, and there's nothing wrong with my life in Perth, by the way, and, and life in Perth is fantastic. But, yeah, how fast, I guess, the career has kind of transitioned and where I am, I, I definitely wouldn't have picked it. And I guess that's the exciting part of life, right? If you just uh, mm. you don't know where your journey is going to take you, and uh, I, I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say embrace that. I don't like to plan ahead too much, so I kind of just go with the flow. And uh, so far, it's it's worked out not bad, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. All right, well, let's talk about race tracks then and, and emotion, because a couple of months after we spoke initially on this podcast, Monza happened, which. I think was the entire of Australia erupted with screams. So I know I certainly I did. I think I woke my neighbor up. I was that excited about what happened. But I'd love to get your side of everything. I mean, you know, McLaren did the unbox stuff and there was a lot of cameras in faces, but they weren't yours, although plenty of our listeners were spotting you in the background of a lot of shots, either be it on broadcast or anything else now. I think we almost had a Michael Italiano spot the, uh, like, where's where's Michael Italiano rather than where's Wally? But talk us through that whole thing through the start of the weekend because, of course, it was different. It was a sprint race and then it was the actual race and, of course, being in Italy for you as well. But it must have just been mind-blowing. Yeah, Monza's always been uh, quite quite friendly to us we've always had really good results in monza and yeah i, I think it's probably the entire the, the entire package as in you know we go to italy and uh daniel's like extremely popular in italy so there's there's a lot of love and you, and you feel it as soon as you land um you know he has his favorite pizza joint there that you know we would go to probably every night and have amazing <laughs> pizza so uh if uh if you're heavily food driven like like us, uh, that that's always a an, an easy a mood booster right there, where you just have some good food every night and and the vibes good. And uh, and, and he liked the tracks. And fortunately, in 2021, um, the the McLaren car was was very competitive. So you know we had some really good results. Um, the car was super quick in a straight. I think probably the quickest. So Monza was always going to suit the car um and uh yeah it's just it's just it's just one of those weekends where everything just went right you know it's and that's that's very hard to come by in formula one because there are, are so many contingencies outside of your control that can go wrong so yeah it's just like you said it was probably just the perfect weekend where everything went right and that's that's from the driver that's from i guess the preparation uh the mood like the team mood the internal mood and uh even like the, the, the pit stop itself you know that the team absolutely nailed uh, the two pit stops on the race weekend so like everyone was just on and uh and i guess we just unfortunately for us we just you know everything went right and and we got a, we got a one two you know we maximized that that opportunity essentially 
because sometimes everything goes everything feels good and you're doing well and uh, you don't get to maximize it because something goes wrong so it was great that we were able to maximize that as a team and then obviously most importantly get uh, get another win from uh, from team DR yeah it was I mean it was bloody fantastic to watch obviously our favorite moment in the last almost 10 years uh, when it comes to the championship winning mindset when we spoke uh, about when you left Red Bull and went to Renault, and you sort of said that the mindset there was just kind of lacking a little bit. They didn't weren't really together in terms of trying to be the, as as good as they possibly could. Did you find by the time that McLaren were on, and you even said the team did two beautiful pit stops, was it already kind of humming along a little bit, or were sort of Team DR working a little bit in the background, like you guys did at Renault to help? get everyone together and, you know, switch on the A game all the time? I think everyone has their own different culture and, you know, leadership leadership ways and how they, you know, want to deliver what they want to deliver. And um, I guess, yeah, w- with Renault, that's, you know, I don't like to generalise. There, there was definitely majority of the mechanics that wanted to win. And, you know, when we got those two podiums uh, with Renault, that was that was unreal, and, and, I, and I could see the joy that it brought on the team's face. So that was that was super awesome. And I, and I think you know you don't know what you don't know. So you know when you come from a, a team like Red Bull that's that had won four constructed championships um, before then, they, they they just automatically had this winning mind, mindset. And I think learning how to learning how to develop that winning mindset is tough, right? And it's something that I guess going into Renault that you know they they wanted really badly and I think getting a taste of those two podiums was something like I could tell like the shift the shift in mindset the shift in energy it was really cool like by the end of the season I think Esteban got a P2 uh was it last race I think he got a P2 don't quote me but he definitely got a P2 in one of the last races so I remember the momentum finishing that year like everyone was just on a high and it was was super awesome and then coming into McLaren I think Led by uh, Andre Seidel, he's just he's just a, a a competitor, you know, and he's he's a winner and he's a fantastic leader, who I have tremendous respect in. So, I, automatically coming into McLaren, I noticed his influence uh, on the culture and, and and the team, and you know, even when we had a good weekend, he'd always find ways, of little margins, on how we could improve. And nope, we need to get better. We need to be faster. And you know, we're we're, we're three tenths off in quality. I want that to be one and a half tenths by, uh, you know, in a month's time. Like he's always, he was always striving for perfection, which was awesome. He was always pushing the team. And I think that's what kind of just, that was a bit instinctive in the end where everyone was just, you know, pushing and, you know, energy, energy breeds energy. So his energy was very reflective within the team. So I could definitely see McLaren 2021 that there was a very, very big hype. And so there should be, there was a seriously good car. I think, you know, Lando, Lando, um, he podiumed like three three times, I think, and I think he got like a his first pole position, um, and then obviously Dr got got the win, and so like it was that was a big year for for the team, and that was that was awesome to be a part of. Yeah, I think people readily forget just how on form that team was back then, but geez, regulations change, and sometimes everything changes. The one great thing I think with Andreas Seidel now is that. He has now now that DR is no longer with McLaren, he's gone to find the other more Australian person on the grid, which is currently Valtteri Bottas with that absolute killer mullet <laughs> at Alfa Romeo. So I mean, geez, what a what a wide. Yeah, I think Valtteri broke the internet uh, in the off season with his, his amazing content. That was <laughs> it was definitely my favorite person to follow over the over the off season. Yeah. 
It's interesting, and I'm curious to to know your thoughts on this because it seems to be that he's doing a lot of cycling. I'm sure he's doing a lot of other strength thing as well. But is there any sort of benefit to one specific type of cardio over another for a Formula One driver? Um, not necessarily. I, I think I think it's also a lot more. It's like cycling is a lot more low impact than running. So you know, it's 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 a lot less enduring on the body and, and hard on the body if you go out for a two-hour cycle compared to a two-hour run so, so cycling is good from that aspect as well and it's it's probably a lot more fun because you, you you see a lot more as well it's there's some there's some amazing um trails and especially in europe whether it's you know on, on the incline or decline or it's it's actually quite fun so any he's his new partner um she's obviously a, an australian cyclist so that kind of works hand in hand where they can semi-train together but also you know in, in enjoy some time together so yeah I, I generally opt for for cycling with, with yuki because running can be a little bit quite hard on the joints especially if you're doing quite a lot of it and you know you know being in a car for what 90 minutes it's 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 tough on the body from from a cardio aspect so you, you do need to you do need to keep these guys fit um but uh but, but variety's key so you know sometimes i'll get him jogging or sometimes I'll get him on the rower, which he absolutely hates the rower. Um, <laughs> Yuki oh. wants to slap me when I, when I prescribe <laughs> the rower. So, uh, but, but, but generally, generally we'll, we'll cycle. He's a very, very strong cyclist. So uh, I like the competition of trying to keep up with him. We'll come to Yuki in, in a couple of moments. Let's, let's just talk about the, the break between 21 and 22. There was a lot. Well, I mean, the, really from Monza, Basically, into the end of last year, there was a lot of people being incorrect in so-called journalist fields, let's just say. A lot of idiots out there with very incorrect opinions. But how was it for you to, to reset between 21 and 22? New regulations coming up. Of course, we know that Team DR uh, with the three of you at track, if Blake is is there at the track with you or, and the wider team as well, how important was the mental aspect too, because I know you've been doing some incredible studying on top of everything else that you're doing. You're also studying in some incredible areas. So was it sort of being able to gather all this information up through your studies as, and then trying to apply it practically, not only in the formula one sense, but the personal sense for you, because you're impacted as much as everyone else by this stuff, surely. Yeah. I I think the break in between, it was a, it was a good time for, for us to obviously evaluate the season. The season didn't go, Obviously, to plan, how, you know, to, to our standards as as a as a team, team DR. I'm talking internally. So, um, yeah, it was definitely uh, quite a big, I guess, self evaluation going on. But also, there's a bit of a sense sense of excitement because the car was super good, right? And then with new regs coming in, it was mm. it it almost gives you know the teams that you know let's let's say the top two for the last you know five six years, Red Bull and Red Bull and Mercedes, it kind of gave the rest of the teams a chance. So, hang on, this is our chance to, I guess, close the gap, essentially. So, and also uh, maybe the characteristics of the car changing, which was also exciting because, you know, it wasn't the characteristics of the car weren't generally working for DR um, in 2021. So, yeah, mm-hmm. like for me, the break was really exciting. And, and like always, we, we did preseason in Perth and, and, and some amazing weather in the heat, which, which I love. So, uh, yeah, I found that like a really exciting time with like not knowing what's going to happen. And then, you know, come testing Barcelona went really well and, 
And then I think Bahrain was not too bad, but then obviously race one, if uh, people can remember, the the car wasn't competitive as all at all. So uh, within three days, this uh, this <laughs> entire sense of excitement for the year kind of uh, diminished very quickly. But, uh, but that's the sport, unfortunately. Yes, you put that very nicely. It was certainly was a big piece of shit. How did you manage to deal with Daniel having COVID? Because that that genuinely interests me. We saw plenty of athletes in Formula One in the previous year get it and then really struggle. We, we saw Lewis Hamilton struggle with long COVID um, in some of those instances when he got on podiums. Was it difficult for DR because it was so early in, in your training schedule in the season as well? Yeah, I, th- I think getting COVID around the season in general is obviously never ideal. However, you know, when you do all the hard work and you build such a, such a good baseline of fitness – uh, in pre-season to, to be primed for race one and then you you get it during testing it's uh that's definitely not one of the best timings to to, <laughs> to get COVID so yeah he, he had it pretty hard you know he, he had um yeah I think I think for seven days he was he was knocked around quite a bit you know the the night sweats the the fevers the the, the low energy so I know Bahrain was a was a struggle but I also remember a week later, we went to Saudi and it's super hot, and that track is super um, physical. Mm. He, uh, he he really uh, struggled. Well, when I say struggled, he I could see after the race he he was a lot more spent than what he generally would be. So it was definitely it was he was definitely fighting at the first four races. I'm going to say where to a point where he wasn't completely where he he knew he could be at. Obviously, if he didn't have COVID and he was fully fit, so yeah, it, it, it does definitely take a toll on you and. I don't know how many drivers got it. Definitely, I'm going to say at least seventy percent of the guys got it um, within within the the race um, season. So, yeah, it, it couldn't have been easy for, for anyone to actually go through that and then try and drive a Formula One car with with that much concentration. Yeah, just absolutely mental. And uh, as you say, didn't really set up totally well for him for the season. Twenty twenty two happened and. It was what it was, of course, uh, and, I, and as I said to you before we started recording, I think a lot of people assumed incorrectly that uh, you, you would not be in Formula 1 this year as well, uh, but uh, shock and surprise when you updated your LinkedIn profile and then I messaged you for what is the discount code for the AlphaTauri website. Uh, <laughs> you need a lot of discounts <laughs> to, to afford, sweet to afford discounts. That, 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 those clothing. <laughs> yeah, uh, mate, the shipping by itself is probably just ridiculous <laughs> to anything to Australia. It's one thing I need to tell DR about is sh- shipping rates to Australia are ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Uh, but AlphaTauri is, is where you find yourself for, for this season and of course, you're with Yuki. You mentioned Yuki just before. I think there's this narrative, isn't there, uh, with the drive to survive thing about him being allergic to working out and him only being interested in catering and food and everything else. Yeah. But by the looks of your stories and some photos of him being at the incorrect end of a gorilla with, and then realizing it and many other different things, it seems like he was copying whatever you were throwing at him and, and just wanting to put in. Yeah, Yuki has impressed me a lot. Um, we, we did a, a pretty big pre-season training camp in Dubai which I absolutely loved it was probably the perfect thing to do together because prior to Dubai we'd only had a coffee together after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix um, to talk about me taking over wow. so and that was just a, a good basic coffee to understand you know just him as a person and, and, and what he's looking for in a coach and that coffee probably went for an hour and, it, and even then like yeah you know you can sense that he's, wow. he's a nice guy and but you just obviously don't know how it's going to go so Dubai was great. 
we got along straight away. Um, before I knew it, he was he was bantering with me. I was bantering with him, and he just gets on with it, man. Like <laughs> like I, I know he's got this reputation from Drive to Survive, but I, I honestly like from that six season to now, he's a different dude. Like he he just I, mm-hmm. I, I prescribe him what he what I prescribe, and he just follows the plan. You know, it's it's been over five six weeks of training now, and there's not once he's complained. Not once is he like, oh, why do we have to do this? He's just like, yep, let's do it. Let's go. And he's just, he's in full training mode. So he's definitely, um, his mindset's definitely shift. And he, and he is, <laughs> I know he comes across like everyone thinks he's funny and, you know, because he speaks his mind. And that's that's a great positive in him. But I definitely see some very, very strong pro- professionalism traits in him uh, already, just on the way he conducts himself and mm. the way, you know, he, what he prioritizes. So, so every morning. He won't organize anything until he knows that training's done. You know, once training's done, then he'll then he'll be like, okay, now I can do my leisurely stuff, and he'll never commit to anything until he can get his training done, which is super super pleasing from from my side because it just shows where his energies, where his energy and focus is going. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this year with him. You know, it's third season for him. Um, you know, he showed some really really big improvements last year. Um, started, you know, out qualifying Pierre, um, which was great. It's a, it's a big positive for him, big confidence booster for him. He's obviously got a new new teammate, Nick, now, who's very, very good, very, very experienced. So uh, I'm looking forward to the challenge, man. And he's in very, very good shape. You know, we just got back from the Rebel Performance Center and all these all these markers have, have improved. So we're uh, he's, he's in a good place. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, he said himself last year that he was shocked that he had a renewed contract with Helmut Marco and team for Alpha Tauri. So surely that mindset is, well, I've got to prove myself for this season to get a gig for next year when you've got people like Liam Lawson, who's now the reserve driver, uh, coming up, or trying to at least come up, um, who's a New Zealander. So, of course, he's maybe not so good as anyone from Australia. Uh, <laughs> just throw that out there. Um and you've got Nick DeVries, who, by all accounts, is an FIA world champion. Yes, it's Formula E, but he's still a world champion, meaning that on the Formula One grid, there's still the same number of F1 uh, of uh, FIA champions as there was last year, even though Seb has left, which is just a, an interesting point. So I imagine that he will want to be the lead driver in that team. But as you say, I mean, Nick won 2019 Formula Two championship. He's won Formula E. He's driven alongside Stoffel Van Dorn. He's been in that Mercedes family. Uh, under Toto, so there's, there's fierce competition. Has do you think the the training or the fact that you're now involved with his training is really going to give him a bit of a confidence boost mentally as well as the physical improvement? Uh, I, th- I think time will tell. I, I think uh, Yuki's coach prior to me, um, Noel, he, he was a, a very good, very good coach, and he and he made some very very um, big um, inroads with Yuki from a mental aspect and, and a physical aspect. So you know. I've got some big shoes to fill, and I'm and I'm ready to fill them. And uh, and yeah, like you said, Nick's Nick definitely should be underrated. I mean, he he drove with the Williams last year and, and for one race and had a, a mega race. So I I do think Yuki's going to learn a lot from Nick from a from an experience perspective and and, and how he you know his feedback um, when it comes to you know the car and setup and stuff like that. Because like you said, he's been in that Mercedes camp for so long. Nick's been listening to to, to Lewis and Valtteri and George. Um, so that's he's got a pretty imp- pretty impressive resume. So he's definitely bringing a ton of knowledge to the team that cannot be underrated. 
and it's it's exciting for Yuki because that's what helps you grow, man. You know, that's 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 what happens. You know, when when Daniel was young, mm-hmm. breaking through, you know, he 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 learned a lot from Seb, and that that really like spiraled him and 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 drove him to to do better. And that's kind of what like that was his breakout season when when he was pushed by Seb. And then you could probably say the same with Max. You know, like. Max's breakout season was when you know Daniel was pushing him, and 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 then he learned a lot from Daniel. It's that's the that's the that's the cycle of Formula One. So, you know, when you have a more experienced uh, teammate, don't don't be intimidated by it. You know, embrace it and be like, okay, cool. Let's let's learn some things from him, whether it's driving style, setup, feedback, and uh, let's in, let's improve my driving. And I think you know Yuki getting a renewal contract renewal is is, is super positive because it shows that uh, the, the, the Red Bull team they they believe in him, right? They, they know he's super quick. It's just a, a few things that we need to clean up that we'll focus on this year. And I think if we can clean those up, I, I do think, you know, Yuki has some uh, some big, big, big growth ahead of him. So this is your fourth team in Formula One. If you don't mind me asking, how did it how did it come about? So you said you had a coffee in uh, in Abu Dhabi afterwards. Was there a bit of conversation beforehand that did or did any other teams show any interest? Is there like a performance coach silly season to go with the team principal silly season, the driver silly season and the PR silly season? It was a bit of a performance coach silly season, to be honest. There's like three or four coaches that made made some moves, <laughs> believe it or not. But, uh, yeah, no, for, for me, it came it came quite late. Uh, I can't remember what race, but but Yuki's um, previous trainer, Noel, who I mentioned, he, he reached out to me, I think, the third last race and just mentioned that, you know, he's, he's having a kid and he wants to um, – I guess ease up his travel commitments as of next year, so he, he'll be he'll be parting ways with Yuki, which is understandably, you know, he wants to be be a good dad and and be present. Um, and he asked me, you know, he he felt that I was fitting for the role for Yuki, and that he put my name forward to Yuki, and Yuki was interested to talk to me. And um, so I kept that option open. And then I think in Brazil, the Brazil race come Sunday. Uh, I got a message from Christian Horner saying that there's a there was an opportunity for you to to work with Yuki. Would you like to have a chat? So I had a meeting with Christian and uh, and and Helmut, and that that meeting went really well. So that was kind of like my, I guess, I, I kind of needed that 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 meeting with them. Um, you know, the, the the meeting with Noel went really really well, and I think just having that meeting with with, with Christian and and Helmut kind of like solidified where where I wanted to do. So. Uh, yeah, that was Sunday race day, so that was a busy day for me. And then, yeah, and then I had to race down down the paddock once the, after that meeting because I was like, okay, now you need to talk to France. And I'm like, oh crap, okay, um, I need to <laughs> I need to set up. So like, I run down the paddock, had a meeting with France. Uh, that meeting went really well. So then, uh, verbally, everything was kind of like, like you could say technically agreed after the the Brazil Grand Prix, probably like. I'm going to say Wednesday of Abu Dhabi. Um, everyone was kind of happy. So then that way, the, the last thing for me was to sit down with Yuki and have a coffee and just make sure that he's comfortable with me coming on board because that's the main thing, right? He, he, the main thing is that he's happy. I don't want him to to be like forced into this hand because Noel was stepping away. Like I, I wanted to make sure that he had uh, the biggest say out of it all, essentially. So that was nice to have a coffee with him, talk a little bit about his interests. and. Um, yeah, you know, you know, you know when I think, as you know, when you sit down with someone, you chat, you know, you you automatically get feel good vibes, or you get awkward vibes, or you get, oh no, we're, we're quite different humans here. <laughs> um, we are different humans, but we we have similar interests, and 
the the meeting went really well. So I I left Abu Dhabi uh, pretty pretty confident that this is like something that I wanted to pursue, and uh, thankfully Yuki obviously agreed as well. So uh, yeah, the rest is history. Now I'm uh, on 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 board with this this man, and yeah, like you said, Afatari, and it's uh it's it's been a it's been a good good couple of weeks uh, in the team and meeting everyone um, through through the testing that we've done so far. And how good that it's a team that used to be owned by or part owned by an Australian, but is technically an Italian team. And uh, it, yeah, just it's fantastic. Was it? Was there ever a moment that you were sort of saying to yourself, maybe I get to escape the circus in 2023 and not have to go to 23 races? And was part of you like maybe looking forward to maybe not traveling quite as much? Yeah, definitely. It was, it was something I was completely open to. You know, it wasn't it wasn't Formula One or nothing for me. You know, I I did look into like football. Um, I was looking into tennis a little bit, and I, and I, and I, I did dabble with the thought of looking into M, um, NBA. I, I absolutely love oh. NBA. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think when this opportunity came about for me, it, it felt right. It was a young driver that I know I can. I definitely feel I can. I can help mentor, nurture, and, and help him through life and help him grow as a human, most importantly, but also as, as a professional athlete. I do think there's a lot that I can, I can, I can teach Yuki and I've been doing that to date and, and all credit to him. He's been, he's been so proactive in how I'm in, in my coaching style and, and how I want to go about this year. And I can just tell how engaged he is when I talk. And that's just so pleasing from a, from a coaching aspect. I, I can tell that there's that automatic mutual respect there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, I think this year there's always going to be challenges. It's, it's formula one. So, uh, I, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into those challenges. And, and, and when we are, when we are like, I guess at a, at a bit of a, at a bit of a road where we do have a bit of difficulty, I'm, I'm ready to, uh, yeah, I guess, um, express my expertise and, and help him through that. Yeah, man. I, I, we are, everyone who likes I Drive who listens and the the hosts as well are bloody stoked that you're still involved and fantastic Thanks. that you're involved with Yuki because he is a bloody exciting talent. That is for sure. Uh, before we wrap this one up, I'd just love to, to talk about Jack Doohan, of course, who seems to be pretty on fire last year and I reckon he's probably in with a good shot of taking the championship in F2 this year. Um I know that you've done a little bit of work alongside him and DR. There was some good Instagram posts and videos of, of him catching up. Is there anything that you're excited about for Jack for this year? Yeah, it's, it's always good seeing uh, Aussies progress through, uh, you know, the, through motorsport. And obviously we got, we got Oscar uh, at, in McLaren this year. So uh, I'm really looking forward to following him. He's a, he's a super kid. Uh, I really do have a lot of respect for Oscar, um, and and yeah, he's he's got he's got an Aussie camp as well. You know, he's got yeah. Mark representing him, and he's, he's he's got a coach from from Melbourne, Kim Kim Keedle, who's who's a, who's a tremendous guy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they they've got they've got you could say uh, we, we, yeah, me Blake and Dr were the three Stooges, but I think they've taken over that name now. So uh, I'm looking forward <laughs> to see what they that, what they can do. Um, and then, yeah, you've obviously got Jack, which is which is super exciting. You know, he had a really good year last year, and he's in his rookie F two year. He's with a re- he's with a really good team, mm. uh, has a really good coach, Sergi. So he's got he's got a I hate I hate to use this this p word, but he's got a lot of potential. <laughs> um, and uh, he's he's got 
he's got a good head on him, good old Jack, yeah. and he's super committed. He wants to, he does want to make a career out of motorsport. So I do expect him to to give it absolutely everything this year. Um, you could probably say it is a make or break year. It usually always is in Formula Two. You know, if if you're not if you're not winning it or you're not in you know top two by your first or second year, unfortunately, generally the way mm. things have progressed over the years, you kind of overlooked, mm. um, which is as brutal as it sounds. It's just that's just the way it's gone. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely cheering uh, for Oscar and Jack this year. Well, obviously, first first and foremost in F1, I'll be I'll be cheering for Yuki, but there'll obviously <laughs> be a, a soft soft part of me soft part of me making sure that uh, I, I do want I do want to see Oscar do well, and yeah. then and then in F two, yeah, I, I hope uh, I hope Jack really does. Really, really, really gives them hell. It is it is important to note, and it's something that I've been saying as well. You know, Oscar didn't personally rip Daniel out of that seat at McLaren. There's still a lot of respect between all camps. And as Australian fans generally, we still have an Australian driver on the grid, and it's bloody exciting that Oscar gets an opportunity because for a while there with the whole Alpine saga, it felt like he was very far away from doing it. So uh, it's good to hear, man, that there's there's no animosity between camps. Of course, that's the case, but sometimes people need to be actually told that sort of thing. Um, Oz Grand Prix this year, uh, it'll be DR's first Grand Prix of the season. It'll be your third, and then you, there's a massive gap, thanks to China no longer existing on the calendar. Uh, will you get some time at home, do you think, before going to Baku or a bit of a Australian bent? Will we see you here for a couple of weeks? Yeah, I'll, I'll come to Melbourne early to... Um Transition is the time zone because obviously it's a big, big time zone shift from Europe to Melbourne. And then after Melbourne, me and Yuki are going to go on a one-week training camp. Uh, I won't tell you where, but it's it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Good. So, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, yes, then the next extra week, I'll come back to Perth for a week to see family. Um, so yeah, it, it's. Nice. I'm really. I mean, I don't mean this in a, in a way where I don't like going to China, but. Because of the, you know Shanghai not actually happening, it's it's a good thing for me because I get an extra two weeks where I'm in Australia, so it, it works out perfectly. Where yeah. one we can do a, a cool training camp in, in a location because y- Yuki wants to explore Australia more, so this is perfect. The weather's going to be amazing, right. and then I can then I can go back and see family. So. Yeah, blessing in disguise. Well, it's going to be a very exciting year for you this year. Again, as we said, we're all bloody stoked that you're still involved. Uh, and it's great that we, as Lakeside Drive, have a driver to cheer for in Yuki. And, of course, he's, he's got Josh Cruz in charge of social who loves a good banter with Yuki as well. So two Australians on either side of him, two much taller Australians <laughs> on either side of him. Sailing through this year. Josh is a big guy. <laughs> Josh is ridiculously tall. I've never seen a taller Australian in my life. Yeah. That, is, that is just I, the truth. I, I don't know why he didn't end up playing basketball instead of working social. I, I liked him until he told me he was a Collingwood supporter. Oh, and, then, and then our dear. relationship went sour. No, I'm joking. But, uh, he's, <laughs> we all he's make mistakes, dude. mate. He's a good dude. <laughs> look, Tommy T's also a Collingwood supporter, so we all make mistakes. Well, look, Michael Italiano, thank you so much for joining me, man. Such a pleasure. Uh, and hopefully we can catch up uh, at the end of the very, very long season. Thanks. James, it was good to speak to you again, and I'll uh, yeah, I'll speak to you in another two years. See ya. <laughs> Take it personally. Well, a massive thank you to Michael Italiano for joining me for what was a very brilliant chat. Don't forget the first half of Michael's journey to Formula One. From that point, you can find in the previous episode. The link to that episode is in the show description below. And of course, please check out Michael's 
My Trainer Fitness app. You can find that in the link below as well or simply search Michael Italiano on wherever you get your searches from. It's been a bloody brilliant start to the 2023 season here at Lakeside Drive and there is more to come. So please make sure you subscribe and let me know if you'd like to have more interviews. Who should I interview next? You can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify too. Don't forget, uh, we do read all of them and appreciate all of your time listening to this show. If you want to be part of the community of Lakeside Drive, head across to our Discord channel. It is bloody fantastic. You will find like-minded people with a very safe, DR-friendly space to chat everything Formula One with. Well, that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time on Lakeside Drive. which I actually need to get some merch from you to start wearing on camera for this year just to subtly, subtly push you. Oh, no. <laughs> Doesn't mean I work out, but it just get, means I wear get merch. Some, get some Jack and Oscar merch. So <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>